Good morning, my friends. I'm Pastor Stephen Brooks. Welcome today to our midweek Bible study called Morning Glory. I'm so happy that you're here. Today we're going to be in the book of 2 Chronicles, chapter 15. We want to look into the fascinating aspects of God's covenants. There's different types of covenants. We're going to look at one particularly today that we're going to move towards. But I think that many of God's people, I'm referring to the Christians, they understand the new covenant, which is a covenant of salvation. But there's also other covenants. God made a covenant with the Jewish people, for example. There's a Abrahamic covenant. There's the Noahic covenant. There's the Davidic covenant. But the most important thing is that we understand the new covenant, which is salvation through Christ. We're saved by grace through faith. Praise the Lord. So if that's the only one that you ever understand, then at least you make heaven. Praise God, uh, which is uh, something that you'll be eternally joyful that you understood that covenant. Praise God. And we thank God for those that preached the good news of salvation through Christ, the new covenant, the born again, new birth experience, praise the Lord. But today we're going to study aspects, insights of God's covenant and his various covenants, praise the Lord, particularly one of them. Second Chronicles chapter 15. Let's start in verse one. And let's open up in prayer. Heavenly Father, we ask that your Holy Spirit would come upon today's teaching and that he would anoint the eyes of our understanding so that we can not just have a history lesson or have hid knowledge, although those things are important. But Father, we ask that your scriptures would be, it would be your living word to us, that this would be, in essence, our daily bread. Now, Father, we thank you. You never designed us just to live on bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from your mouth. So we thank you for our food today. Let us eat it and understand it. Now, thank you, Father, for insight into your covenants. In Jesus' name we pray. We all agree and say amen. Praise the Lord. Now, the Spirit of God came upon Azariah, the son of Obed, and he went out to meet Asa. Now, of course, Asa is the king over Judah, or the southern kingdom. And he went out to meet Asa and said to him, Hear me, Asa, and all Judah and Benjamin. Now, the tribe of Benjamin, which is uh, composed of a lot of left-handers, often when you see the tribe of Benjamin mentioned, you'll, you'll hear about how they could all sling, the men could sling a stone with their left hand. And so it appears that a lot of them were left-handers. For all of you left-handers out there, uh, such as myself, <laughs> maybe, maybe uh, if you're not Jewish, perhaps you're part of the spiritual tribe of Benjamin. Hallelujah. Praise God. And remember, you know, you had uh, King Saul come out of the tribe of Benjamin. You also had Paul, the apostle, who could verify his lineage through the tribe of Benjamin. But in some ways, Benjamin would end up being absorbed into the larger overall tribe of Judah. And thus, the southern kingdom was basically known eventually as Judah. You had a similar thing taking place with the northern ten tribes, where uh, 
things just began eventually over time to congregate pretty much in the area of Ephraim. And then Ephraim kept growing and had a strong influence. And so Ephraim became a term to not just to designate their tribe, but really the northern ten tribes, in a sense, became known as Ephraim. The southern two tribes became known as eventually as Judah. Hear me, Asa, and all Judah and Benjamin. The Lord is with you while you are with him. If you seek him, he will be found by you. But if you forsake him, he will forsake you. Now, this is something that's very important to understand about covenant. God is always faithful to his word, to his promise, and to his covenant. But he did not create us as robots. By the way, that's why there was a, a different type of tree placed in the Garden of Eden. To do what? To give man the ability to choose between right and wrong. The ability to obey God. And yes, God commands and God directs. But we, we have to yield and make our own decision to either obey or disobey. Praise the Lord. I know I'm speaking to the obeyers. Praise the Lord. The ones who delight in the commandments of the Lord. But it is possible to forsake the Lord, as sad as that is. Um, this covenant is something that God will uphold as long as we meet the terms and conditions of that covenant. In other words, you could walk out of that covenant. Marriage is a covenant. And there's terms and conditions to that. And somebody just says, you know, I, I, I'm out. I want out. I want to want run wild. I want to go crazy. Then the other party, the other person cannot say, well, hey, you know, you, you can't run away like that. That person can if, if for some crazy reason they chose to. There is a teaching in the body of Christ, uh, predominantly out of the Baptist community, the evangelical community called, it's a doctrine called once saved, always saved. Let me be the first to say that I am a firm believer in the security of the believer in Christ. And God holds you with, with cords of love. And that love is very, very strong. And the presence of the Holy Spirit is very, very strong. But my friends, that doctrine, once saved, always saved, is not correct. You can walk away should you be crazy enough or foolish enough to do it. I've only known a few people in my lifetime to do that. And uh, uh, God had a covenant with Israel. And as long as they met the terms and conditions of that covenant, things are going good. And if you have uh, some tough challenges, you'll, you're going to overcome. If you have an enemy that comes against you, you're going to win. As long as you're uh, right with God, that covenant is in force. And it will override any circumstance, any difficulty. It can uh, it allow you to live the life God has planned for you to live. And God will do miracles and supernatural things to keep you going in the right direction when you're in covenant with him. Oh, oh, my friends, but we must be aware that, again, we're not robots. We can make choices. We're going to make the right choice, and we're going to serve the Lord, and we're going to reach the end of the finish line, and we're going to cross it and hear, well done, good and faithful servant. Praise the Lord. So I, I cannot agree with that doctrine, once saved, always saved. That's not scriptural. That's meant as a good intention to express God's love, His mercy, and His long-reaching arm. But uh, it is very much 
possible to walk out of a covenant, even of of a covenant of salvation, as tragic as that would be. But my friends, uh, we're going to lean strongly on the Lord, trust in Him, and He is going to be faithful to complete that which He has begun in us. We're going all the way with the Lord, and we're never going to forsake Him. Praise God, regardless of what would come our way. Now, verse 3, for a long time, ooh, wow, for a long time Israel has been without the true God. I think it's important for us to understand whether it was the southern kingdom of Israel, Judah, Benjamin, or the northern kingdom, even when the nation was in apostasy. Let's take the northern ten tribes. They went into some really bad stuff. But really up until the time of Ahab, and when Ahab married Jezebel, even the kings before him that were wicked, they never really went off the cliff. In a sense, even if they were worshiping uh, uh, Jehovah, they and they were worshiping other false gods, they would still that in this form of bizarre mixture, they would still put God in the equation. For example, the golden calves that the northern ten tribes worshipped in two areas, Bethel and Dan. And my wife and I have been to Bethel. We have seen the literal altar area where the 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 golden calf in that in that town was set up at, and the remains are still there today. Not not the golden calf, of course, but th- even when they worshipped the golden calves, they still would incorporate God into that worship, and they would basically say things like, uh, uh, "Jehovah, we acknowledge you as the golden calf, and we worship." So it was, yeah, it was it was. It was wrong, but they still had not like completely put God out of the equation until Ahab married Jezebel. And when she came in, uh, you know, with the Phoenician king as a father, uh, her father was even named after Baal. And so that was the epicenter of the cult worship of Baal and Astra. Well, she brought all of that with her as the king's daughter when she married Ahab as king. And now you have a queen that's full-blown into occultism. And so she was a big influence. Really, you could say that they both co-reigned together. She was calling a lot of the shots. Yes, he was still king, and he had, a, he had his input. But they were, they were mutually ruling together. And she took Israel into a place where it had never been before, which was Total dismissal of God, uh, where it was complete devotion to Baal, complete, uh, and Baal was the male deity, Astra was the female deity, and it was complete worship to them. And she instituted the own, uh, the own uh, uh, priestly system for that form of worship and all the awful things that went along with it. So uh, you have to understand uh, when it says, for a long time, Israel has been without the true God. They've always had a mixture. But, oh, mixture is awful. There's only one true, beautiful, living God. Praise the Lord. Father, Son, Holy Spirit, three in one. Blessed be the Lord. Now, for a long time Israel has been without the true God, without a teaching priest. Wow. And without law. Without a teaching priest is a real tragedy. Here's why. In those times, those ancient times, you did not have the phenomenal privilege of what we have today, which is books or God's word in a printed form. 
Woo! Praise God for the printing press and for digital presses and offset presses and anything to do with books. Praise God. <laughs> they didn't have that. So uh, there were very few scrolls even upon which the Torah, God's word, God's instructions, God's guidebook or guidelines for the way that they were to live as a chosen select covenant people. There were very, very few scrolls. So the whole nation had to rely upon what? The priest. Because the priest would teach the people, first of all, the commandments of God. Then they would interpret the commandments like, okay, this is how you do it and so forth. And, uh, and they would make it simple and easy for the people to understand. But, my friends, if there were ever compromise within the priesthood, if there were ever corruption within the priesthood, what's that going to do? That's going to affect the people because the priest, in essence, are setting the tone for the whole spiritual conduct and nature of the way the Israelites are going to go. Because why? They're the ones communicating to the people, to the Israelis, saying, this is how we're going to live. <laughs> this is what God says to do. And so suddenly, if you get them up there, and they are the teaching priests, but now they're teaching wrong, or they're teaching compromise, or they're saying this is okay when God never said it's okay. How can we say, from a modern-day perspective, they're trying to redefine truth? then that's going to have a huge influence not only upon the nation, but also upon the king, upon the king as well. Because he's not a priest. He's not doing that full time. He's over here administrating. He's governing. That's what a king does. So he's relying on the priest also. So if things go bad there, and they did, there's corruption there. It's uh, You have to understand in some ways God's going to hold the people responsible, but not with the same weight that he's going to hold that priesthood responsible. Because they're the ones that are leading the people, God's people, away from true worship to Him. So for a long time, Israel has been without A, the true God, and B, without a teaching priest. And without a teaching priest, you just pretty much don't know what to do. And without law. If you don't know the law, you can't obey it. And if there's nobody to teach it to you, you're left trying to just figure out how to live your own life. And you maybe have memory or recall of what you heard when you were young, perhaps as a priest was teaching the law, but maybe had another priest come along later and say, oh, we don't have to do it like that. God didn't really mean that. We can do it like this. God will allow this and that and the other. And before you know it, there's confusion among the people. And there's no law. And it's not like you could go out and grab a book and say, well, I'm going to find out for myself. There were no books. There were no books, and there were very, very few scrolls. So a very, very, very dangerous situation for the nation to fall into a place like this. Now, but when in their trouble they turned to the Lord God of Israel and sought Him, He was found by them. By them. So now in the southern kingdom, things have been going a little better, but still a lot of trouble. In the northern kingdom... Uh, there's nothing but coup after coup and war after war, sometimes even between the northern and southern kingdom. <laughs> but outside of that, there's just crazy stuff going on. And you never want to be living your life with uh, chaos. You're not designed for that, okay? Unless there's a war or something that you have to walk through that's beyond your control. And then in those scenarios, God's presence and God's peace and His protection will be upon you. Uh, but ideally, that's not the way that you want to have to live your life. Now, verse 4 again, but when in their trouble they turned to the Lord God of Israel and sought Him, He was found by them. Verse 5, and in those times there was no peace. 
no peace is no fun. Woo! It's not a good place you want to be in where you're harassed physically. You're harassed in your mind. You're harassed maybe on the job. You're harassed in your finances. You're troubled on every side. That's not that's not a good place to be. That's that's denoting somewhere around here we have an absence of the law or an absence of obedience to what God said to do. And it allows doors wide open for the enemy to come in and really uh, stick it to the disobedient. Whoo, Lord have mercy. And in those times there was no peace to the one who went out nor to the one who came in. What does that mean? Constant trouble. Constant trouble when you get up in the morning, you start the day, the moment you get go, I mean, it's trouble on all sides. And it doesn't end when you come home. It continues all night long. You don't know if they're going to break the door down. They're going to come in. You don't, you don't know if you're going to get shot, killed. You, you have no idea. There's, there's war going on all over the place. Mm -mm. But great turmoil was on all the inhabitants of the lands. Wow. So nation was destroyed by nation. Now, these, these are tribal nations. But then again, that just because it's a tribal nation doesn't mean it's only 100, 200 people. No, some of them are large. And so you have thousands and thousands of people with all these wars going on, nation being destroyed by nation, and city being destroyed by, by city. For God troubled them with every adversity. Mm -mm. Whew, not a fun place to be. Why? Uh, not knowing how to walk with God, not knowing what he requires. Maybe we could say clueless of the covenant. Mm -mm. Not a good place to be. Look, at, uh, look, my friends, you're going to have to work the word. Ignorance is not an excuse. Well, I didn't know that was in there. Well, that's why your life is having those challenges. That's why you're getting hit like that. Well, I didn't know that. But see, ignorance is not an excuse. And maybe you didn't know. I, I grew up in a church that loved the Lord. We understood the covenant of salvation. And for that, I'll be eternally grateful. If I had to grovel through life and get pummeled by the enemy because I don't know how to defend myself, at least I had Christ. At least I was on my way to heaven. Well, as you continue with God and you dig into his word, you find out uh, who you are in Christ, the authority you have to rule and govern over your life and walk in the blessing of the Lord. But see, those things were never taught me outside of the covenant of salvation when I was raised in church. And so we would sit in church and uh, we would in many ways just hear the gospel message preached over and over again. But what do you do with that when you're already saved? So there was no further revelation. Maybe I could say it this way. There was no further light. And it was reflected by the fact in the, in the church that I was raised in and others that I would tend that would in that the same denomination, there was always something wrong with the lighting. I could be in, a, a, in, the, in the service and it's, it's like, could somebody turn the lights up a little bit? I can, I can hardly read my Bible. Why is it so dark and gloomy in here? That natural lighting deficit was a reflection of the spiritual deficit. We did not have enough light to overcome the enemy. We did not have a knowledge. We did not have enough knowledge of God and his covenant to have victory in life. Now we had, we had our tickets punched for heaven. Praise God. We had eternal life within our hearts, but, uh, you know, you're going to need some more while you're down here on the earth. You're going to need insight into the covenant to walk in the blessings that God has made available for you. They will not just automatically fall upon you just because you're born again. And I know many of you have discovered that. Praise God. Yes, you, you, you feel the peace on the inside, but we must walk in the commandments of God. We must know what they are. And even though we see things in society and culture changing and shifting, trying to change truth, 
the truth is eternal. Let me, let me just say this right now. You can try to change laws and legislate certain things and say what was now out of style is now in style and this is now right and all that stuff. But when God says stealing is wrong, let me tell you that one billion years from now, stealing will still be wrong. Stealing will be eternally wrong. Why? God said it's wrong. So you cannot redefine truth. You can try. You can alter books and things like that, but God's word can never be changed. So we need to stick with the commandments and then you're going to start walking in the covenant. And then you're going to have something amazing take place in your life that comes to covenant practitioners. Praise God. Verse seven, but you be strong and do not let your hands be weak for your work shall be rewarded. Praise God. So Asa, he starts to hustle. He's like, yeah, we don't want to, we don't want to go wrong here. <laughs> we, we, we don't want any more of this chaos and craziness. This is not the way to live. <laughs> Woo! So they really, really began to turn to the Lord with all of their hearts. Verse nine, then he gathered all Judah and Benjamin. So the, uh, the area that he ruled over and those who dwelt with them from Ephraim, Manasseh and Simeon, for they came over to him in great numbers from Israel when they saw that the Lord, his God was with him. So they gathered together at Jerusalem in the third month in the 15th year of the reign of Asa. So up until that point, Asa's had some victories and stuff like that. But still, it's just been like there's a whirlwind going on around them and kind of like uh, going through the southern area. And it's uh, they want that stuff finished. And they offered to the Lord at that time 700 bulls, 7,000 sheep from the spoil they had brought. Then they entered into a covenant to seek the Lord God of their fathers with all their heart and with all their soul. And you see they're very serious about this. Uh, verse 13, And whoever would not seek the Lord God of Israel was to be put to death, whether small or great, whether man or woman. Then they took an oath before the Lord with a loud voice and with shouting and trumpets and ram's horns. And all Judah rejoiced at the oath, for they had sworn with all their heart and sought him with all their soul. And he was found by them. And then what happened? And the Lord gave them rest all around. Now that word rest there in verse 15 in the Hebrew means that you're finally able to settle down. That's what it means. Um, it means, hey, you can breathe easy now. Uh, you don't have to wor uh, worry about a group of marauders or raiders coming in with knives and daggers, taking all of your stuff, maybe taking your kids away or, you know, or, or murdering you or all the craziness or maybe another city over here just, you know, for some reason attacking you or no, God gave them rest. Praise God. And that's what covenant practitioners come into. You come into a place of rest. Now, now, hey, you, you can't help what others might do and the chaos that's going on in their life if they refuse to listen and they're doing crazy things. But my friends, you can be in a place of rest and this covenant will shield you from the chaos and the other crazy stuff that would be flying out around there. And you can be exempted from that. Why? Because you are a person of covenant and you walk in a covenant with God. So Asa was very serious about this reformation. Verse 16, also he removed uh, Maeka, the mother of Asa the king, from being queen mother because she had made an obscene image of 
Asherah, and Asa cut down her obscene image, then crushed it and burned it by the brook Kidron. And so he's like, well, uh, you know, sorry that we, we've got to do this, but you're out. <laughs> oh, but he can't do that to her. Well, he did. And so he was basically saying, I'm not letting anything getting in the way of disrupting the blessing that we want to walk in. We've had enough of the devil coming in here through open doors, through sin and disobedience. And this is no fun. So <laughs> we're dealing with any form of hindrance and out it went, even if it's relative, family, whatever he's full on with serving God. Verse 17, but the high places were not removed from Israel. Uh, understand the context of that in the sense that, again, you're seeing what I would call mixture. Even in the southern kingdom, they would still, the Israelis would still go up on these silly high places and they were worship God. And they did that, of course, in the northern kingdom that they, they had to there because, they, you know, they're, they're now removed from Jerusalem. So you have to understand God told his people, there's one place I'm choosing. And that one place is where I designate official worship at. And it has to be done in a very prescribed manner through my priest and through my Levites. And that's the way it's going to be done. And, that, and God chose Jerusalem to be that place and the Temple Mount to be the location. So you have the northern ten tribes. Well, they've gone off and they've instituted their own mixture of worship of what they think it should be. So they can't even worship in the right spot. So no, nothing they're doing is being accepted. <laughs> it's all in the wrong location. <laughs> Much less the fact that they're doing it with golden, uh, golden idols of cows. <laughs> they're in the wrong spot. But even in the wrong spot and even in the southern area where they have access to go to the Temple Mount to worship, they still had these high places. And when it talks about the high places, yes, there would there would be some where they have these astro poles and, you know, with flags set up on them. And these are carvings out of wood of, uh, you know, the goddess Astra. And that usually would be some type of an obscene image. And. Uh, we know that there were times where there would be idolatry, but also sometimes it wasn't so much direct idolatry as it was, again, just people getting away from the law, getting away from a teaching priest, and then they just start doing things on their own. So if they had a high place on the property that they owned, they would go up there and in a sense kind of set up their own mini temple system. Maybe they would have a little altar and they would do sacrifices there and maybe they would burn incense there. And God, God said, no, you you're not supposed to do that. You're supposed to, that can only be done by my priest at my temple. So you had all kinds of uh, uh, mixture again in the worship, even if they thought, well, let's just do it up here on top of this hill. This will be wonderful. And God said, no, that's not the way, that's not the way we do things. So the high places were not removed from Israel. So it takes, takes a deeper work, a deeper cleansing. God's working. Nevertheless, reformation is taking place. Nevertheless, the heart of Asa, uh, Asa was loyal all his days. He also brought into the house of God the things that his father had dedicated, and that he himself had dedicated silver and gold and utensils, and there was no war. Watch this. There was no war until the 35th year of the reign of Asa. Praise God. Now, this is amazing. That we are now looking at a time of 20 years that passed since Asa said, 
look, as king, I've had it with us just half-heartedly serving God. We don't even know what the commandments are. We don't even have the priestly system set up. I've had it. I'm fed up with that. We're getting pummeled by the enemy. So the moment he said, we're going to do this right, and we're going to follow the, the roadmap, the book, they were ushered into a place of peace that lasted for 20 years, and all the wars and all the chaos stopped. Woo, praise God. Now, in the northern ten tribes, it kept on going <laughs> because they're totally away from the Lord. And, uh, you know, eventually you had Ahab come on the scene and Jezebel. Then you've got uh, Elijah the prophet. You have these clashes going on and all of that's still going on up north. But for those, those down south that got dialed in with God, got dialed in on walking in the covenant and meeting its requirements and conditions, 20 years of peace. Woo! Glory to God. Mm, thank you, Jesus. And I see extended peace and blessing in your life. And really, even after the 20 years, the only reason another war came on the scene in some ways was a testing mechanism to see what was in Asa's heart. Unfortunately, he blew it. And he, although he was a good king all, all around, he had a poor ending because of getting away from that deep reliance and trust upon the Lord. Mm -mm. Praise God. Now, let's jump further into the subject of covenant. I've been talking kind of fast on purpose just to cover the material as quickly as we can, as there's some uh, different verses I want us to look at this morning. Now, Jeremiah chapter 33, let's go to verse 19. And this will give us an amazing example of God's covenant, how it works. Jeremiah 33, verse 19, And the word of the Lord came to Jeremiah, saying, Thus says the Lord, If you can break my covenant, Okay, now watch this. If you can break my covenant with the day and my covenant with the night. Did you know that God made a covenant with the day and night? Let me just ask you a question. Do you think God has done a pretty good job of keeping the covenant, the deal, the agreement that he made with day and night? <laughs> I think he has. As far as I know, he's never, he's never let it down one time. Woo, incredible. Okay, if you can break my covenant with the day and my covenant with the night, so that there will not be day and night in their season, then my covenant may also be broken with David, my servant. So he is here referring to his prophet to the nation of Israel, this, this ongoing covenant that he has established with his servant David. And he swore with an oath to establish that covenant, just like he did with Abraham, swore an oath. And it was the cutting of a covenant. What is in a covenant? What's a, what is a covenant? It's an, agree, it's an agreement between two people based on well-defined terms. And when both parties agree to the terms, then an oath is sworn and the covenant begins to function. Praise God. Now, in context of what we're kind of looking at today, it's a covenant between you and God. And the covenant is based on well-defined terms. And as long as you walk in those terms and those conditions, that covenant will work. It'll work. Doesn't matter what's going on out there. Oh, you should see what's going on out there. Well, yeah, I can see it, but it won't break the covenant because if you meet the conditions of that covenant and you are with God in that covenant, nothing, nothing on earth or in the universe can override it or stop it. Wow. It's quite liberating to walk in covenant with the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Now, can you imagine 
Can you imagine a person, a Christian, saying, well, you know, Pastor Stephen, I wish I had a covenant like that with God that could be that stable, but um, I don't know if something like that would really uphold. I mean, after all, we're living in very tumultuous times, and I don't know if God can help me get through all the things that we're facing today. That would be just as silly as a Christian saying, you know what? It's one o'clock in the afternoon, but I'd tell you, Pastor Stephen, I'm really having some doubts if God can really uphold this covenant tonight. Uh, I, I, I just don't know if darkness is going to come tonight. I just have a feeling he may not be able to pull it off tonight. How many of you know that even if somebody uh, doesn't understand it, doesn't believe it, doesn't even have respect for it, how many of you know at nighttime the sun's still going to go down and it's going to get dark? And you can turn on all the lights you want outside and power up all the lights. The sun is still going down, still going to get dark. Why? God made a covenant with dark and God made a covenant uh, with the day. Well, I, 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 yes, it did go down, Pastor Stephen. I, ju I just don't know if it's going to come on up. Trust me, God made a covenant with the sun, and it's coming up in the morning. And you could have people legislate it. Get all the world's politicians and have them legislate. The sun will not come up in the morning. Let me tell you right now, it's coming up. You can get every army on the face of the earth, and they could all say, we are going to collaborate, and we're going to do something to stop that sun from coming up. It's not coming up. It doesn't matter. It's coming up. And there is no external circumstances on the earth or outside of the earth that's ever going to stop it from happening. Can you see that God keeps covenant? Woo! Praise the Lord. Mm -mm. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Now let's continue. Verse 25. Thus says the Lord, if my covenant is not with day and night, and if I have not appointed the ordinances of heaven and earth, then I will cast away the descendants of Jacob and David, my servant, so that I will not take any of his descendants to be rulers over the descendants of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, for I will cause their captivity to return and have mercy on them. Well, Pastor Stephen, I, I just, I think God's done with Israel. He'll never be done with Israel. He swore a covenant. <laughs> Woo! Glory to God. Well, I, I don't know, Pastor Steve. Maybe some of these countries say they're going to blow them off the face of the earth and exterminate all the Jews. I, maybe they're going to get them all. No, no, never, never. And we'll, we'll, we'll stand with Israel also. Hallelujah. Glory to God. <laughs> but even should people falter, God will never falter. Why? He swore a covenant. He swore a covenant, and he says in verse 25, as long as there's day and night, let it remind you that I made a promise to David, and I'm there for Israel. Mm -hmm. Thank you, Jesus. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Now, if you meet the terms and conditions of the covenant, it will work. Regardless, what's taking place in the earth? Skeptics, doubters, unbelievers, famine, plague, recession, sickness, disease. It doesn't matter. It can't override the covenant. Mm -mm. So I'm here today to say that God will always do his part. We must do our part. What's that, Pastor Stephen? Know the covenant and obey it strictly. You need to know what's in this book. Some of you, bless your hearts, you take it a little too lightly. You take... You take the doctor's report very seriously, analyze it, look at it day and night. And I, I respect the doctors. We thank God what, for what they can do. 
But some of you need to have more reverence and respect for the Word of God, where you treasure it above anything that any man would say. And we thank God for things that men and women would say to help us to maybe diagnose a situation, maybe not just physical, but also something else. And we say thank you for your insight and input. But if you'll walk with God as a covenant child, you'll see yourself become a high flyer over all of the crazy things that just boom, 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 take so many people out. Mm -mm. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, we give you praise. Now, let's talk just for a moment about one type of covenant. There's, there's different covenants in the Bible. Let's talk about one because I have a feeling, more than a feeling, just to knowing in my spirit that this is a covenant that you really need to be tied in to. And let's take a look at some of these covenants and the one I particularly want to mention back in the book of Genesis, the book of beginnings, good place to go to see these things in their origin. Genesis chapter 8, verse 22. While the earth remains, these things are going to happen. They're never going to stop. And he lists them. While the earth remains, we are told in the book of Ecclesiastes that the earth will always remain. We do know that in the last days when things are wrapped up, there will be a cleansing. And there needs to be a cleansing, a complete cleansing of the earth. Think about all the pollution, not just, you know, all the plastic floating in the ocean, not just all the garbage in the landfills, but all of the nuclear waste. Some of this nuclear waste has the uh, ability to last for several thousand years before it's not toxic or lethal anymore. And there's, there's just, you know, incredible amounts of radioactive waste that, that has been dumped in the storage areas, and it's going to be there for a long time. So there needs to be a total cleansing, not just of all the effects of sin, but all of these other things that have caused damage to the physical realm of the earth. All of that will be cleansed, and there will be a new earth in the sense, but it's the same planet. It's just going to be cleansed with a phenomenal fire. Glory to God. And that fire will streak through the whole universe, burning up everything that's impure. And it needs to. Um, think about all of the radio channels that broadcast through satellite and also through antennas, you know, garbage music. Well, that music bounces off the earth and goes bouncing off into space. And there are songs and there that, that are, that are um, millions of miles out there in space. And they just keep traveling that are these radio signals that are sending out garbage. So the whole universe needs to be cleansed. And there's many other time, types of uh, garbage also. It'll all get cleansed while the earth remains. Seed time and harvest, cold and heat, winter and summer, and day and night shall not cease. These are all covenants that God has made. We've looked briefly at the one of day and night. And regardless if people believe it or not, uh, God's going to honor that covenant with day and night. Praise the Lord. And it's going to keep on working. Keep on working. You don't have to worry about it. You don't have to, uh, you know, bite your nails and get in anxiety. I don't know if the sun's going to come up. No, it's a covenant. Relax. It's a covenant. Day and night are doing their thing. God's doing his thing. And it's, going to, it's just going to keep on happening forever. Woo! Praise the Lord. Mm -mm. And that is true also of seed time and harvest. Now, what is the covenant law here of seed time and harvest? 
and it's been a mystery to many people, but here it is laid out for us. The covenant law is that harvest only responds to seed. I need to say it again. No, it's very simple, but these are insights into the covenant, particularly here, what we would look as the origins of the covenant of prosperity that anchors the entire covenant. Okay. We see here that harvest only responds to seed. Praise the Lord. Now, you're going to have to understand that a covenant is different from a promise because some things are included in the new covenant that come as a promise that they're just going to be imputed into your life and rolled into your life because they're benefits that belong to you as a believer. But there's other things such as engaging, engaging God on his covenants. You're going to have to do your part and the financial covenant. It only responds to the seeds that you sow the seeds that you sow. Praise God. Now the covenant of seed time and harvest, the laws that work with this, the harvest only responds to seed. The harvest does not respond. Listen to me. The harvest does not respond to your 40 day fast. Now, Pastor Stephen, you've given miracle examples of ministers who fasted and received great financial testimonies. Yes, I have. And every single one of those ministers were heavyweight givers. Let's take, uh, let's take the miracle God did for uh, Dr. Jerry Falwell at Liberty University when they faced a financial crunch because of external circumstances rippling through the church that affected his ministry. We could say external circumstances. That's what it was. You had some major ministries that had scandals and it caused Christians across America to pull back their giving. And that hit ministries all across America, including uh, Dr. Falwell's uh, Christian university that he'd raised up. So he jumped in there and realized, well, I've got to do something uh, so that the Lord will uh, help me in this situation. So he did a 40 day fast. And he wanted to talk to the Lord about money. And, and on the 40 day fast, the Lord told him, I don't want to talk with you about money. Now, when I say he told him that, that wasn't through a vision. That was just through the Holy Spirit bearing witness within his heart what, what God's will was. And the Holy Spirit basically said, I don't want to talk with you about money right now. You need to get your walk back in the proper place with me, get close with me. Cause he got all caught up in the politics and you know, he had uh, the moral majority and all this stuff going on in DC. And so he shut all of that down and got close to God again. He got rid of all the busyness the things God actually, he said, never told him really to do all this busyness stuff. So he got back to the main assignments of his life and his ministry. And that primary assignment was the health and well-being of Liberty University. So he fasted for 40 days, lost 40 pounds, and he felt that the Lord was going to help, but he didn't know how. So he ate for, uh, for 21 days. He resumed his eating, ate for 21 days, regained all of his weight in three weeks. But right after three weeks, the Holy Spirit spoke to him and said, Now, I would like to talk with you about money. Woo, glory to God. So you know what he did? He went right back into a 40-day fast. And he sought the Lord. And, he got, and when the fast was finished, he felt in his heart, I don't know how God's going to do it, but he's going to do it. And we're going to get a money miracle. 
And he did. Long story short, somebody walked onto the campus, gave him a check for $50 million, came back later, I think, gave him another check for, well, I can't remember if the second one was $17 million or $30 million or something like that. But it was, it was a great deliverance. Oh, oh, see, Pastor Stephen, he fasted and God, God, God rewarded him and responded only through fasting. You have to understand, this man was a phenomenal giver. Um, he was an incredible giver. Harvest only responds to seed, not to just fasting. Well, I'm fasting. God's not doing it, though. But this man had tremendous seed in the ground. And for years, he and uh, Elmer Towns would just travel around going from little church to little church, and they would share the vision of a university, and, uh, and they would receive these offerings, and they never touched a penny of it. They would just put it all in a, uh, an account for the birthing and the raising up of the university, and they would just pour their hearts into it. So the seed amount that he had in the ground ran way into the multiplied thousands. So <laughs> you have to understand that when I tell that testimony of he fasting and all of that, this is a man that was a mega giver. He was a very selfless giver and he was an extraordinary person of just uh, in, in some senses like giving it all to the Lord. So he had the seed in the ground to uh, go along with the harvest that he received. Praise God. Harvest only responds to seed. Now, you ready for this one? This financial covenant, seed time and harvest, this covenant of seed time and harvest also doesn't respond to prayer. Now, Pastor Stephen, I'm going to pray 12 hours a day, and God will be obligated to give me some money. <laughs> it's not going to work like that. <laughs> Woo, it doesn't work like that. The harvest only responds to seed, not the fasting, although fasting is very important. We teach about that. But that's, you're trying to take, you're trying to fix something that requires a screwdriver, and you're using a wrench. You've got the wrong tool. So you have to understand covenant, what the covenant requires, the terms and the conditions that make the covenant work. And then with that knowledge, you can step into it and it'll start working for you. But this covenant, seed time and harvest, you can't, you can't move it by fast. You can fast till your teeth fall out. And that's not going to cause financial provision to be activated into your life. You're going to have to engage that covenant through the sowing of seed. doesn't work any other way. You're not going to be able to get harvest any other way. Praise God. And you're not going to work it by saying, I'm going to pray for four hours a day. Then God will finally give me some money. Well, now, Pastor Stephen, you've told many stories about many ministers who prayed and received money miracles. Yes, I have. And every single one of those ministers were extraordinary givers. Let's take Reese Howells. A great example. I've taught on him before. He would pray and pray and get a hold of God. And he purchased some of the most phenomenal properties there in Wales for his school of ministry, his Bible college. And these were properties that uh, leading bidders had the money to pay. Uh, and yet he would still, he would still be able to make the purchase. So often he'd be there with no money, no money. And he's up against heavyweight uh we could say corporations that could have easily have bought them, but by his prayers, God would do these incredible miracles. The money would come, and, uh, and he would be able to buy it. He would have the favor to buy it. They would allow him to be the buyer. Well, Pastor Stephen, sounds like you can just pray and get money. Oh, Reese Howells, when you read his life story, this was a man that 
sometimes he would give everything away. There was a time where uh, he had a man come up to him, and, and the man said, um, I'm, in, I'm in dire financial straits, and if I don't get if I don't get a blessing today, somehow they're going to take everything, everything I own. And Brees Howell said, well, how much do you owe the creditor? And the man said, this amount, this is how much I owe. And Reese Howell said, do not be concerned. I'm going to, uh, me and another brother are going to take care of it. And so the man got all excited. He got all happy. So Reese Howells goes home and he, in his heart, he had thought, I'm going to pay for half of that man's debt and I can ask brother so-and-so he can meet the other half. And the Lord said, are you going to give him a half deliverance? Or are you going to do the whole thing yourself? The Lord said, you need to do the whole thing yourself. And Reese Howells knew if I deliver him completely, it will drain my account. And I won't have any more savings. But the Lord says, that's my will for you. I want you to deliver him. And I do not want the other person involved. This is your opportunity. And so Reese Howells went and paid the whole debt off, set that man free, delivered him. And it drained his account. But he did stuff like that over and over again. He was a major sower, a financial seed. And even within his ministry, he gave about 25 to 30% away all the time. That was standard operating procedure. And many times with his own life, he would completely empty his personal savings to do things, to help others, to be a blessing. He was just a giver. He was, he was addicted to giving. <laughs> so when he's praying, these are not just prayers. Oh, like, you know, this is like some penny pincher, and he's praying, and God's giving him these phenomenal properties, and all he has to do is pray. No, you're talking about a person totally sold out that, that the, the main thing on his mind is giving. He's living to give. And so he is approaching God in strong prayer off of that platform of giving, which carries you into a financial covenant with God. And by the way, when he was buying those phenomenal properties, there was a recession going on in the nation. The milkman came by one morning and said, well, it seems like you and this other person, and he named a, fav a famous aviator that was very famous because aviation was brand new back in those days. And so that was a big whoopla. So this aviator was a celebrity. And the milkman said, seems like you and the aviator are the only two that know how to bring money in. <laughs> because everybody was poor. Nobody could buy anything. And he's buying these phenomenal properties. Yes, God's hearing his prayers, but he's also working off of a covenant financial platform. He's an addicted giver. Mm -mm. Praise God. See, this covenant doesn't work by luck or chance. It doesn't work by fasting alone, although fasting is good. And it doesn't work by prayer, although prayer is good. It doesn't work by that alone. And it doesn't work also through human connections. That some Christians think they're so smart, they're going to join every organization. They're going to network, network, and, th and that's good to have relationships. But they're trusting humans. They're trusting other people to come through for them. I'm Pastor Stephen, I got a rich aunt. She's got a lot of money. And when she dies, I want to get the inheritance, and then I can finally start giving. Well, watch out. She'll probably live to be 120. You might, you might pass away before she does. You have to get your eyes off people as a source and you have to get onto the covenant, woo, which is stable. Praise God. Mm -mm. And you get onto the platform of the covenant and it is just as solid. The financial covenant that God extends to obedient believers, which is engaged through giving consistent giving and systematic tithing, 
that covenant is just as solid as the covenant of day and night. I have a feeling none of you sweat the least bit about the sun going down at night and coming up in the morning. You just know God's got it. And you know what? He does. But I'm here today to say this financial covenant that the Lord extends, which is not a promise. It's a covenant. You, you have to meet the terms and conditions. If you'll get on that covenant platform, it's just as stable as day and night exchanging places. Woo! Praise the Lord. Just as stable as winter and summer. It's just as stable as cold and heat. And it is the covenant of seed time and harvest. And it will work regardless of what's going on in the world. But you have to work it. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Only seed sown equals a harvest. God is not in need. And He never can be. So what He is saying is not for His benefit. It's for our benefit to be able to participate in something that is so reliable as this. So, my friends, as long as day and night are exchanging positions, then know that God is a covenant-keeping God, and you can trust Him. Woo, praise the Lord. Psalm 89. Let's go over to Psalm 89, verse 34. By covenant, I will not break nor alter the word that has gone out of my lips. Well, I want to harvest some other way. God's made a covenant. And harvest responds to seed sowing. Well, I want God to alter that. He's not going to. He's not going to. You have to sow seed if you want to harvest. Woo, praise the Lord. Mm -mm. He will keep his covenant. My covenant, I will not break. But he, Pastor Stephen, he might have to break it. Doesn't God know what's going on out there and how our nation is struggling? But Pastor Stephen, God might not be able to keep the covenant because we have a $31 trillion national debt. And, you know, we could all just end up homeless and on the street and starving to death. No, no, no. You have no clue of the covenant. You have no clue of the covenant nor God's ability to keep it and keep you. Whoo, praise the Lord. Mm -mm. Can I show you an amazing verse? That the Apostle Paul laid out in the book of Ephesians that says a lot about this giving link, this covenant lifestyle of joy and excitement. There, there's no more exciting life than the covenant life of giving. Sowing and reaping. It's very, very exciting. And it will certainly add color to the life of anybody that chooses intentionally to learn the terms and conditions of that covenant and to step into it and say, God, I meet your conditions. I see what they are. Harvest only responds to seed sowing. All right, Lord, I'm in. I'm in. Praise God. Look at this. This is amazing. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 28. Now watch this. This is amazing. Let him who stole steal no longer. Oh, by the way, you could legislate that away and say, now, uh, uh, stealing's wrong for you, but not for us because we're the ruling class. No, stealing's wrong whoever does it. It doesn't matter who you are. If, you, if you're stealing, it's theft, and it's wrong in the eyes of God. It will always be wrong 10 years from now, 10,000 years from now. Let him who stole steal no longer, but let him, watch, let him labor working with his hands what is good, 
that he may have something to give to him who has need. Now, this is the way most Christians look at this verse. Watch this. They look at it like this. That him who stole, steal no longer, but, ra but rather let him labor, working with his hands what is good, that he may have something with which to pay his bills. Wow. Look, God knows you have bills, but God wants you to have a good job, not just so that you can pay your bills. I want a good job. I want to labor with my hands so I can pay my phone bill. Is, is that really that exciting? I, I've never really gotten excited about paying a phone bill. Oh, Pastor Stephen, when that electric bill comes in, I just love looking at it, looking at all the kilowatts I used. I, I, I just, I just such joy. Look, that's no fun, paying a phone bill, paying a mortgage note, I mean, paying an apartment rent or whatever it might be. There, there's no like, whoo, I live for this. No, that's, that's no big deal. Pastor Steve, I got so excited, I, I could buy me some noodles and canned tuna. Uh, it's just, that, that's not exciting. That's, that's like just like surviving. No, that's not what it says. Look, let him who stole steal no longer, but rather let him labor, working with his hands what is good, that he may have, that he may have something to give him who has need. If you right now have been laid off from work, if you right now don't have a job, maybe it was COVID related, uh, whatever the situation was, and you find yourself in a position right now and you don't have employment and you don't have work, but you want to work. If you will go before the Lord in prayer and say, God, I'm asking you to give me the best paying job I've ever had in my life, not solely, of course, for the purpose of just paying my bills, or having my basic needs met or some extra to, you know, to enjoy myself with, you know, new clothes or whatever it might be, some of the things I would make me happy. But if you'll go before the Lord primarily, God, give me a job that's the highest paying job I've ever had so I can unload some serious giving. You'll be employed within 14 days with the best paying job you've ever had. You will be employed within 14 days of the best paying job you've ever had. But you have to really mean that from your heart. You have to be a person that says, God, give me work. Why? So I can pay my bills? That's not what the scripture says. That, God knows all of that. But give me a job, God, a really good one. Why? So I can give to him who has need. That's dignity of life. Mm, that's why you need overflow. So you can give. You live to give, not just get consumed for yourself, consumed for yourself so that you can have extra to give. Whoa, praise the Lord. And the more you give, the more seed you're sowing and the larger your harvest will be. And you keep working that and you keep working that and you're on the covenant. You're on the covenant frequency mm -mm. and you'll never go down. You'll never go down. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Praise God. One more verse. 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 10. These are all principles that go along with this law, which is a covenant. And if you work it, it'll work. If you follow the terms and conditions, you'll be like the Israelites with Asa. Finally found peace. You got into the word, figured out the requirements, 
and peace ensued. And suddenly the enemies, they all got quiet. And you can settle down and have refreshing and blessing to stay focused on kingdom assignments and blessed to be a blessing. Mm, thank you, Jesus. Glory to God. Second Corinthians chapter nine, verse 10. Now may he, that's God. Now may he who supplies seed to the sower. It's God that gives seed to the sower and bread for food. God knows you need bread to eat bread for food. May he supply and multiply the seed you have sown and increase the fruits of your righteousness. God supplies seed to the sower. Praise the Lord. Now, if you eat all of your seed, that leaves you with an inability to access the financial covenant. Because you access the financial covenant of God, how? Through giving, through sowing seed. Pastor Stephen, I'm going to do a 100-day fast, and I'm going to ask that God make me a millionaire. You're wasting your time. Until you get seed in the ground, you have no right to expect a harvest. And this is lifestyle. Lifestyle. You live to give. Yes, you have needs. God knows that. Yes, you have some things you desire. God knows that. But giving, giving is on your heart. Giving is on your mind. Praise the Lord. Job was loaded with wealth. He was a covenant man. And he had great prosperity. And he went around delivering the widows, delivering the poor. Praise God. Honoring God's word. He was a strict follower of the word of God. That's why it says in Deuteronomy chapter 28 verse 1 as it gets into all of the blessings it says you must give diligent heed to observe carefully all these commandments you must observe that means dig into the details find out what God requires of you he requires of you to be a sower and he gives seed to the sower if you're willing to sow you're willing to get into the overflow and not just consume it all on yourself but so you'll you'll always Always be in the overflow because he gives seed to the sower. Mm -mm. And as you send it out, God just starts replenishing. You send it out, he starts replenishing. But then you also start getting to that area where he starts touching it with that multiplication anointing. He will multiply the seed you have sown and increase the fruits of your righteousness. That sounds a whole lot like Psalm 112 which is a pattern psalm of how God wants his people to be living and experiencing life. Praise the Lord. Psalm 112 verse 1, praise the Lord, blessed is the man who fears the Lord, who delights greatly in his commandments. You have to keep them. You have to know them. You have to keep them. Pastor Stephen, how do you view yourself as a minister? I view myself as a teaching priest. <laughs> Sharing with you the discoveries I've made. Hallelujah. And building up God's people. I, I understand apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, teacher. I, I understand all of that. But we as ministers, we have to make the word of God understandable to the people of God, just like they did in the old covenant, so that we can walk in it and experience it. Praise the Lord. His descendants will be mighty on earth. The generation of the upright will be blessed. Wealth and riches will be in his house, and his righteousness endures forever. 
praise God. Verse 5, a good man deals graciously and lends. He will guide his affairs with discretion. Surely he will never be shaken. The righteous will be in everlasting remembrance. He will not be afraid of evil tidings. His heart is steadfast, trusting in the Lord. Verse 9, he is dispersed abroad. Well, if he's giving it all away, sounds like he's going to be poor. No, no. God's multiplying it back. This is, this is the man that's working covenant principles. He is on the covenant of prosperity. He's all over it. Praise God. He has dispersed abroad. He has given to the poor. His righteousness endures forever. His horn, which is a representation of strength. His horn will be exalted with honor. Praise God. The wicked will see it and be grieved. He will gnash his teeth and melt away. The desire of the wicked shall perish. So we're walking in a covenant of salvation. Praise the Lord. But you have to, you have to understand the nature of Jesus. Maybe we could even say the two, the, two, the two parts of Jesus. There's the part of the Lord, which is the good news of salvation that presents that is presented to you to receive Christ as your Lord and Savior, that creates peace in your heart, eternal security. You're walking with God, and you love the covenant. You've embraced it. You're, you're, you're His forever as far as you're concerned and as far as He's concerned, and you just walk it out. You live it out. But there's the other part of Jesus, which would be His principles, and those are what creates your prosperity. They are the terms and the conditions of various covenants, such as the covenant of financial prosperity. And that is something, uh, the principles that you, you learn. You learn, praise God. And as you learn them and operate in them, you have, because you have to make application of the truth, then you start seeing the rich fruit that it produces in your life, and it brings joy. It brings joy. Praise the Lord. Now, I just want to invite many of you to come into this covenant of the Lord. It's a covenant of financial prosperity and provision. And God has no, he has no trouble with you having wealth. He just doesn't want you to be covetous. And one of the main ways to keep a covetous spirit from ever... Uh, defiling you is just keep it flowing. Keep the giving flowing. And if you feel uh, maybe that the covetous thing is trying to come around, man, just start giving. Just break that thing. Just start giving. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And the joy of the Lord will be in your heart. Praise God. You start where you're at. You give at the level that you're at. And the Lord will begin to lift you up into new realms. Praise God. Praise the Lord. This is something we have to guard our hearts because in the American culture, there can be influences to be consumed with selfish uh, consummation of just constantly spending it all on yourself. I, I told you about this a couple of years ago. It was only just a, maybe... Maybe five years ago, I actually saw a car commercial in, in a magazine. It took up an entire page, and the car commercial printed out. The slogan was, you shall covet. And it had an image of the car, all shiny. It was a luxury car. And it said, you shall covet. <laughs> of course, you get into that. You get into covetousness, not so much the car, but that 
thinking. See, that's very sensual. It's very worldly. You get into that, then if difficulties begin to hit, hit the economy and things like that, you'll go down with it. Well, you may think we're riding high right now, Pastor Stephen. Yes, but this, this world, look, money is a speed machine. If you ever try to chase it, you're never going to catch it because a covetous heart is never satisfied. And you could have more and more. You could be a billionaire and multi-billionaire. And trust me, there's, there's toys out there that cost uh, half a billion dollars, you know, and you could, you could burn through anything with a covetous spirit because you're never satisfied. So you need to know this joy of giving. And by doing that, you'll keep that covetous spirit away. And plus, you'll also get on that covenant platform with the Lord where you're stable. And, you know, some very difficult things uh, throughout Scripture hit the nation of Israel at different times. But those who were covenant whoosh, went right on through it. Even when others were going under, those that were covenant and worked the covenant, whoosh, right on through it. And so often, not only will you go through it, you'll be exalted and lifted up. Wow. As somebody that God uses to represent his covenant ways. My friends become a covenant practitioner, not just, of course, within the covenant of salvation, but within the covenant of finances so that you're protected in these crazy days in which we live, in which all forms of crazy laws are trying to be re enacted that would try to put pressure upon the saints to compromise, particularly in the area, maybe at work or career. Where there's pressure to bow or maybe to sign something that uh, it's a compromise of your principles or do something that would go against these these truths. I'm saying stick with the Lord. He'll he'll take care of you. You'll see how faithful he is. Now, Father, I pray for your people today. Let them understand with full illumination that you made a covenant with day and night and they're still exchanging places. And so, Father, that same degree of faithfulness is also for those who are on the covenant of financial blessing. And it's engaged not through praying, wishing, hoping, believing, or endless fasting. It's engaged through giving. We thank you, Father. We're, of course, going to pray. And we'll throw in fasting, incorporate fasting, so that we are not governed by fleshly impulses. But, Father, we thank you that there are some some things you've established, certain covenants that we can only come in to those covenants through what the terms, the print, maybe we could say the fine print requires. And we thank you, Father, with you, it's not fine print. It's bold type, spelled out clearly and easily uh, definable. So we thank you, Father God, that no matter what happens to the global economy, or even the American economy, or Father, wherever your people are watching from today, that we are secure in you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And we thank you, Father God, that this is actually the time of the lifting up of your people. Not just the survival of your people. This is the lifting up time of your people as illuminaries in a, in a world that's getting darker with sinful tendencies and sinful behavior and we, we know father that much of this is pre-programmed in a sense is prophetic unfolding of end time events but this is the hour of the saints to rise so thank you father god let us be let us be generous in our hearts towards the assignments the purposes that you attach us to we give you praise 
Thank you, Father. Bless your people in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Now, if you're watching today's program, every covenant, every covenant is entered into through faith and trust in Christ Jesus. Praise the Lord. There are some other covenants, such as what God has pre-standing with the Jewish people. But eternal life, the covenant of eternal life is only found through Christ alone. So it doesn't matter if you're a Jew, or it doesn't matter if you're a Russian, or you're an American, or whatever your descent might be. Salvation is only found through Christ. He's the only one that went to the cross and died for our sins. He is the only Messiah. He's the only one. So I encourage you, if you don't know him, put your faith and trust in him today. If you would like to do that, simply pray this prayer after me. Say, Lord Jesus, I'm a sinner, but you died to save sinners like me. Jesus, you are the Christ. You died on the cross for my sins. Jesus, I give you my life. Come into my heart right now. Wash me with your precious blood. Thank you, Jesus. Write my name in your book of life. I give my life to you now. Jesus, I take you as my Lord and Savior now. Praise God. Christ has heard that prayer. He has answered it, and he has said, yes, praise God. Welcome to the family of God. Praise the Lord. Amen. Let's take Holy Communion together. I want to invite you to grab some, some grape juice, some unleavened bread, and let's pray over it, and let's bless it. Father, we thank you for the bread, the juice. We consecrate it. We bless it through this prayer. We thank you it's holy. This is now the body and the blood of Jesus. Now, Father, we thank you for your covenants. We thank you for understanding of them so that we can be on covenant, these various covenant platforms that give us exemption from the calamities, the difficulties that are in the earth. We thank you, Father, that our salvation is a full salvation, and you've made full provision for our deliverance and our blessing while we're in this earth. So we thank you, Father God. Let us be observant. Let us, uh, let us observe carefully all that you require. And Father, you said in the book of Isaiah, chapter 1, verse 19, that if we are willing and obedient, we will eat the good of the land. So we thank you for willing hearts to serve you. We thank you, Father, that we choose to be obedient to all of your commandments. They're, they're a joy to us. They are life to us. And we thank you, Father, we delight in your word and your ways. We give you praise, Father. Thank you for the body of Jesus. And we receive his body now. We receive his flesh now. Father, in Jesus' name, amen. Let's receive. Praise the Lord. This is a year of overflow for you. You know how to get into it. This is a year of overflow for you. Constant overflow. Hallelujah. You'll never struggle again financially another day in your life when you step into this covenant, which is activated through giving. It's anchored through the tithe. Why? Commandments. We obey commandments. Tithing was being carried out before it was ever instituted as a, a law given by God through Moses. But tithing was being done by Abraham. It was being done by Jacob. Praise the Lord. They were covenant practitioners. They were tithers. Hallelujah. So tithing is the anchor. 
and the giving just causes it all to open up. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Father. You're going to have so much joy, and you're going to bring so much joy. I enjoy receiving, but I get far more joy out of giving. Praise the Lord. Father, we thank you for the blood of Jesus. We thank you, Father, that you gave Jesus, and he willingly came as our sacrifice. Thank you, Father God. Let that heart be in us, Father, that even Jesus had a money bag and had a treasurer, and he so often helped the poor. And, Father, he certainly was a tither because he kept your commandments, and he even endorsed tithing. Thank you, Father God. We give you praise. Father, thank you for the blood of Jesus. Thank you, Father God, for peace like Asa and the southern kingdom experienced when they stepped into full obedience. Thank you, Father. I see financial freedom coming for your people. I see Psalm 112. They will use discretion and all of their uh, selections and choices that they use their money for. We give you praise, Father God. We give you praise. And we ask, Father, that if we have committed any sin, that you would forgive us. We forgive anybody that has sinned against us. We thank you, Father. We ask that you would lead us away from temptation and that you would deliver us from the evil one. We thank you for protecting us and preserving us from all evil. Father, we give you praise. We thank you for your strength and your blessing. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father God. I see some very happy people out there that have your heart. And we thank you, Father God, you're going to make them champion givers. And it will be literally extraordinary what you will empower them to do. And it's because they're on the covenant platform. Thank you, Father God. Thank you for unveiling this to us. We give you praise, Father. We receive the blood of Jesus with great thanksgiving. In his name we pray. Amen. And amen. Let's receive. Praise the Lord. In closing, wherever you're at, just take a look outside the window. And whether it's day or night, know this. The covenant is working. And if you'll agree to the terms of the covenant that God laid out for the financial covenant, it's just as stable as the covenant of day and night. And you will never have to thank rat race ever again. You will never have to thank money anxiety ever again. You will never have to worry or stress like so many do in the world, just running. It's all they think about, how they're going to get it. To consume it on themselves. How they're going to get it. It's their whole life. It consumes them. But you will be stress free. You will be walking in overflow. Praise God. Because you are a covenant child of God. And you're a giver. Praise the Lord. Father bless your people. In Jesus name. Amen. See you back next time. Bye bye.